How about Aiden and those dance moves, huh? That's pretty good. We're going to start out this morning with the scripture reading. This is from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. And you'll notice I went off subject, or I went off text anyway. Uh, we've been doing a series in Mark. We're staying on the subject, by the way. My, my uh, title today is Incredible Love adoption. So we're staying on the encounter of the incredible, but I've gone off text and went over to Romans for this sermon. So Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 12 through 17. So then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Please pray with me before we dig into this great text. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. It is light and life to us. We pray that you would reveal truth to us this morning by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that each of us would encounter the incredible this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of you are familiar with the name Warren Buffett. At one time back in 2008, he was the richest man in the world. Today, he's still the third richest man in the world with a net worth of $82.5 billion. If that alone doesn't make Warren Buffett a very interesting person, and it does, What makes him even more interesting is his lifestyle. Let me give you a couple of examples. Mr. Buffett still lives in the same home that he purchased in 1958 for $31,500. It's a nice home, but not extravagant. In today's market, it's valued at about $275,000. For breakfast... He's known to go often to McDonald's for a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and has even been observed using coupons to pay. Everyone likes to drive fancy cars, but Buffett was known to buy hail-damaged vehicles at reduced prices and keep them until his daughter insisted that it was getting embarrassed 
embarrassing. While most rich people have expensive hobbies like selling or sailing on yachts or big game hunting, Buffett loves to play bridge. And until about five years ago, he was still carrying a Nokia flip phone. Yes, he now has a smartphone. When he could be living like a king, he's living a very frugal lifestyle. I admire that about Mr. Buffett. He seems to have a fairly balanced approach to wealth and privilege. Now imagine, though, if Warren Buffett had a son. Now, he actually has two, but the one I want you to imagine is an imaginary one, son. This son wants to take his father's frugality to the next level. This son decides to live on the street and scrounge, beg, or work for his food each day, not knowing from day to day where his food will come from. He cuts off communication with his father, sleeps wherever he can find shelter, and even if it puts him in situations where he is in fear for his life. We call Warren Buffett frugal, but we might call his imaginary son a fool. Warren Buffett could choose to live like a king, but he most often does not. His imaginary son could choose to live like a child of a king, but instead, he lives like an orphan. To be a child of a king and choose to live like an orphan does not make sense. Orphans live in fear and insecurity. They struggle with self-worth because they don't know their identity. They have no family to love them. Well, in Romans 8, we encounter the incredible. This morning, my prayer for you is that you personally have an incredible encounter of the love of God. Whether this encounter is number 10,000 or possibly the first, I pray that you will be awestruck this morning by the love that your Father in Heaven has for you. The truth is, we need to be reminded. We all need to be reminded. It's one of the reasons why God instituted the communion table that is before us. Our outline as we look into Romans 8 this morning looks like this. We are adopted as sons. We have assurance as sons. We have affluence as heirs. Verse 15 says, You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The idea of adoption is a beautiful thing. About 135,000 children are adopted each year by Americans from the foster care system, private domestic agencies, family members, and other countries. The idea 
of, and practices of adoption vary both among different societies and within societies over different time periods. In our own country, up until the 1970s, adoption was primarily a way for married people who could not have their own children to get them. And so they most often adopted kids who looked like them, and they may have even kept it a secret that they had done the adoption. Today, adoption is often, in one sense, rescuing either from a less-than-ideal foster care situation or from poverty in another country. Well, adoption in Roman culture was very different from what we see as adoption today. Noted preacher and theologian John MacArthur says that the new son was deliberately chosen by an adopting father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. It might then involve a son, or it might then involve adopting a son who exceeded in capability the sons that he already had. MacArthur goes on to describe four aspects of Roman adoption. These are going to be up on the board. The adopted son, first of all, lost all rights in his former family. There was no going back. Second thing about Roman adoption, the adoption son, the adopted son was the heir to his new father's estate. And even natural born sons who were born later could not make a claim on this inheritance. The third thing, The old life of the adopted son was completely obliterated. His records were thrown away. His debts were canceled. It was as if he had never lived. And fourth, in the eyes of the law, he was permanently and absolutely the son of his new father. Think about those again. Doesn't that sound very much like what God has done in adopting us? Heir to the father's estate. The old life is gone. Debts canceled. Permanently. The son of the new father. And it was a matter of God's divine choice. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. God preferred and chose you. You may not realize it, but the idea of God as father in the Old Testament is surprisingly rare. It occurs, but not often. I think it's safe to say that most people in the Old Testament, when thinking about God, did not think of him as father. But then Jesus came along. He was always talking about God as his father and portraying him as our father. The most famous prayer ever uttered begins with the words, our father. 
Here Paul says that as adopted sons, we cry out, Abba, Father. You've probably heard it explained before that this is a very intimate term. It's like the young child who cries out, Daddy. Abba is like saying, Daddy. And through adoption, we have that kind of intimacy with God. Why? Because he has made us part of his family. Now, think about this. Think about how awesome this is. God could have simply stopped with justification, and he would have been a gracious and merciful God. Justification, you might remember, is the legal term whereby he declared us not guilty of sin, thus removing the wrath of God, which was justly directed to us. That would have been great for us if he'd done that and just stopped there. But he didn't. He went on and showed his incredible love for us by adopting us, making us part of his family, and calling us sons. 1 John 3.1 says, See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I truly believe that when John wrote that, he wrote it with much more emotion than I just read it with. In fact, I think he was probably overwhelmed by the love of God who would adopt him as a son. So allow me to give you the CLV version, the Chuck Lloyd version of that text. 1 John 3, 1. Open your eyes and see what incredible love the Father has bestowed on us. He actually calls us his own children. And so we are his children. I'm a beloved child of the king of kings. John Calvin said, this gift of sonship is the highest privilege of redemption. Although I'd love to just stop there and let you meditate on that great truth for a while, we need to move on to point number two. We have assurance as sons. There's a new old movie out this week. Have you noticed that Disney first remade Aladdin into a live action movie and now they've remade Lion King into computer-generated live action. Has anyone seen the new Lion King? Not many out there, boy. I want to see it, but I haven't yet. I, I think I have most of the original version still memorized because I grew up in that, or I was a dad in that generation when my kids were watching the Lion King over... Lion King, and then Lion King 2, and then Lion King, uh, anybody know? One and a half, I heard it out there, yes. They went Lion King 
Lion King 2, and then Lion King 1 and a half. Well, I don't know how closely the new version follows the original, but I do hope that one of my favorite scenes from the animated version is still in the movie. In the scene that I remember, Rafiki, the little monkey, helps Simba to see his father, Mufasa. Mufasa says to Simba, Remember who you are. You are my son. Some of us have forgotten who we are. Some of us, though children of the Most High King, are living like orphans. You've forgotten who you are. Jesus said to us very clearly in John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Some of us have adopted an orphan mentality. Out of that orphan mentality comes people who live like orphans. We live like orphans when we try to earn our father's love. When we tell ourselves we aren't good enough to be loved. We live like orphans when we're jealous of the material goods that people in this world have. We live like orphans when we neglect spending time with the family of God, not only our father, but also our brothers and sisters. We live like orphans when we fear rejection. We live like orphans when we fear the future. As if our father doesn't know and control everything that will happen in that future and has promised that he will work it out for our good. We live like orphans and we are really children of the king. Stop living like orphans. As verse 13 tells us in this passage, we can when we live by the Spirit. God wants us to have assurance. Verse 16 says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit himself is testifying to you, trying to make you understand that you are a child of God. Noted theologian and author J.I. Packer asked this. Do I, as a Christian, understand myself? Do I know my own real identity? My own real destiny? I'm a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. Say it over and over again to yourself 
first thing in the morning, last thing at night, as you wait for the bus, any time when your mind is free, and ask God that you may be enabled to live as one who knows it is all utterly and completely true. We need to stop living like orphans and start living like the children of the Most High King that we are. So we've seen the adoption and the assurance that are ours as sons of God. Now we move on to the affluence that is ours as sons of God. Why do we have affluence? Verse 17 says, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Note with me that this is not an earthly inheritance. An earthly inheritance is limited. Some of you have probably inherited the estates of your families. Maybe it was divided up among you and your siblings. No matter how big or how small an inheritance is, all estates are limited in size and based on your lifestyle could be used up rather quickly. Not so with the inheritance that we share as sons of God. The inheritance we share is the inheritance of an everlasting and infinite God. It will never run out. And no matter how many people share it, my cut is still infinite. You might wonder, what does my inheritance include? Well, here are three things, three, at least three things that it includes. It's infinite. I can't tell you everything. But we will, number one, inherit the world. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 and 22 says, For all things are ours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. Everything in this world is your inheritance. Secondly, we'll inherit God himself. Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Thirdly, we will inherit redeemed and glorified bodies. Romans 8.23 We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. If children, then heirs also. I want to close today by going back to Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett was asked years ago at one of the annual Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meetings about his personal faith, whether he had one. Here's the quote that he said at that time. No, 
I'm an agnostic. I don't know whether there is a God or not. Maybe when I die, I will find out. But I don't know. You see, Mr. Buffett, though very wealthy, is actually a spiritual orphan. We talked earlier about how many of us live like orphans. But the unfortunate truth is that some of you might be living like orphans because you still are. When you come to God by faith and in full surrender to his will, God stands ready to forgive you and to declare you not guilty. And if that isn't awesome enough, he goes on to adopt you into his family and make you one of his sons and daughters. But you must first receive him as Savior. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All of us need to stop living as orphans. But if you've never made that decision to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, then as I close in prayer today, I just encourage you to express your faith, surrender your life to Jesus as Lord, and know the adoption as sons personally. You can be a child of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you so much that we can call you Father. Thank you that you loved us so much that you not only forgave us, but you put your affections upon us. And you call us sons. Lord, help us to stop living like orphans. Help us to live by your spirit. Father, I pray for those here today who have maybe never surrendered their lives to you. Lord, we know you're inviting them into your family right now. I just pray that you would give them the faith to surrender to you their will, to ask for the forgiveness of their sins, that they can know you as Father. 